Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Tuesday, October 31st, 2023. And our top story today, foundation investment performance trails for the third quarter. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, John Seitz is the founder of Foundation Mark. John, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's always a pleasure. And look, I, I love talking about the not-for-profit arena. Uh, we're going to talk about colleges in the second, college endowments in the second uh, segment. But let's talk about foundations. And I know you, you and the team do a lot of research each and every quarter on how foundations perform. Let's get into it. Um, let's talk about third quarter performance. How did how did these foundations we're talking about, like you know the foundations like the Gates Foundation, the Ford Foundation? These are huge, long existing foundations. How did they perform over the in Q3? It wasn't a great quarter. Um, the uh, uh, foundations were down 2.9% um, in the third quarter, and that brings uh, year-to-date gains back to 8.2% uh, on an investment um, point of view. Um, their assets are actually up about 5%. And the distinction between these those numbers is, are that foundations are continually giving money away. That's their their um, reason for being. They have to give away at least 5% of their assets. So they're always you know, going up a hill, and that hill is always very steep. It's not just a, a, a pot of money that can grow and grow. It's got to be uh, you know, paid out in installments. And in terms of, I want to get to the giving in a second, but in terms of the asset allocation, and I know every Look, it's the same thing with retirement plans and pensions. Every every asset pool is very different from the other asset pool. But there, are there some consistencies that, that you and the team have seen in terms of asset allocation for these, maybe on the larger end of, of the foundations? Yeah, uh, great question. Because the um, what you've seen over the last 10 years is an increasing use of alternative assets, private equity, um, hedge funds, and um, other partnerships like that, which, you know, have performed very well for the last, let's say, um, you know, 20 years. But the last two years have been challenging um, in, in, you know, for the for the alternative space. But the um, the overall allocation, I'd say there were two trends. One is the um, the allocation to cash and fixed income. Again, that has been drifting down for a long, um, long time from about to over 20% of, um, of assets 10 years ago, to only about 15%, um, and even uh, lower in terms of the, uh, the larger foundations that you point out. Um, and one of the things that, that actually was a bit of a benefit from that point of view was uh, in the last year, um, you know, high-grade bonds, the you know, Barclays, Bloomberg Aggregate Index has really come under a lot of pressure. So um, any any portfolio that had a large exposure to you know high grade bonds, you know, probably took a, you know, they had a very challenging time. And 
So that's um, you know, one of the benefits of, of having a relatively lower exposure to um, cash and fixed income. And John, uh, the, the, in the asset management world, usually 60-40 is the traditional asset allocation and uh, use that a lot of times you know, to benchmark a plan. How do, how do these foundations stack up against the, I'll call it traditional, is it really traditional anymore? The, tradi- the standard, the traditional 60-40, because not, every, you know, not everyone does that anymore, but it's kind of, it's yeah. kind of old school. It's, I think it's, a, it's an excellent default position, right? Which is, you know, what would, you know, um, again, it's very easy to create a 60-40 portfolio and measure against that, especially over long um, periods, because um, some of these asset classes just didn't really exist, you know, you know, or exist in the size that they do 10 or 15 years ago. Um, but anyway, the 60-40 um, uh, portfolio was, um, it was up about, um, sorry, I'm trying to remember this right there. Um, Foundations were up 8.2 year to date and foundations were doing a little bit better than um, the 60-40 portfolio. But, um, I'm sorry, yeah, there is the 60-40 was up 7.2%. So foundations did a little bit better. And a lot of that was attributable to their lower exposure to um, the fixed income markets. So the um, that has been a benefit over the longer term. Foundations have not kept up with the sixty forty, um, despite their their large allocation to equity and equity linked um, uh, products like private equity and hedge funds. That's a, that surprises me. I, I guess um, is there any reason a cause for for why they wouldn't? Because these are long term investments, right? I mean, they, yes, they have to give away five percent, but any any thoughts as to why that would not be the case. Maybe they're, maybe that just kind of where they allocate their money is a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I think you know one of it is that they, uh, you know, over the last ten years, again, we've really seen great outperformance from the, you know, um, the technology sector and you know, sort of a high octane stocks. And you can imagine some foundations who are in equities, but they might have more conservative uh, portfolios is um you know one reason the other reason is there probably isn't as much um you know uh, you know pressure put on the managers because a lot of you know this you know not the larger ones but we do feel that there are a lot of foundations that aren't as actively uh managed in terms of you know uh you know if it's your money you get very concerned about it but if it's in a foundation and you know that's money that's just going to charity at some point, and they don't revisit it quite as often as they should. Um, I, and we think that that's actually a very big problem that uh, that that exists in the foundation world, and one that we'd really like to shine a light on. Uh, well, John, it's, it sounds like it's almost like that. Said it and forget it. That Ron Popeil style of of management, although he was more selling you how to uh, bake uh, something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What does this all mean for giving? Because at the end of the day, these foundations, as you said, are set up to give away money. Uh, Ford Foundation talked about the Gates Foundation. I mean, there are gazillions of these things, but they're set up to help other not-for-profits, other charities, other charitable causes. What does this ultimately mean or what did this ultimately mean for giving? 
the um it's got huge implications because the um you know foundations in terms of total giving for in the united states uh represents about uh, 19 percent of total giving and that number has been going up as individual giving has been coming down and corporate giving has been coming down um so the more money that foundations have then the more that they can um give away uh, and foundation assets peaked actually uh you know at the end of december in 2021 and they're down about 10 percent from that peak so the um the implications for giving are that you know it takes a little while because foundations usually use a three-year rolling average um to set their their giving trends but we're looking at giving to be up very small um this year if markets stay where they are if markets fall which you know beginning of this quarter doesn't seem to be a very helpful um you know start but if markets fall then we might see giving flat or, or even down and then when you look forward to 2024 it's you know it might be a, a rockier time unless we see a rebound in the uh, in the equity markets as i said it's mostly tied to the equity markets because their um their exposure there's uh, nearly 80 percent yeah it and and like i said i mean this has so many societal impacts you think about all the little not little all the smaller not uh you know not-for-profits that you know women's organizations food uh food preparation for people who can't afford food i just think about some of those uh and there are, are dozens of others so i guess we'll have to see how it all kind of pans out john i need to take a very quick break when we come back we're going to switch gears talk about college endowments john's got some good insight you're going to want to stay tuned right here on drn am Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Well, John, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Of course. 
And uh, from one pool of assets to another, let's uh, switch gears, talk about college endowments, John. Um, college is in the news, obviously very important. Uh, a lot of people going back to school either as retirees or first-time college uh, attendees as young, young kids. Uh, how did those endowments do, though? So, uh, college endowments, are their, their fiscal year ends in June 30, um, as you can imagine the academic calendar. So we're, we're starting to get those results because here you know, it's you know, October and then close the books. And, um, and the large colleges are really not doing as well as they should. Um, the, the average college, according uh, to Cambridge, was up about uh, 6.9%. Uh, for the year, so that's you know, June to June, um, versus again we were just talking about the sixty forty, and over that period, that was up eleven point two percent. So colleges overall really underperformed in in, in their fiscal twenty twenty three. And and what did it mean when you look? We talked about the asset allocation in the foundation world. What about the asset allocation? Do you have any idea about the foundations? Uh, excuse me. The endowment how they're allocating are they heavily weighted towards alternatives as as well or do they follow more of a 60 40 split again painting with a broad brush we know that every asset pool is different unique i get that well the uh no, college endowments are are uh, you know, if you look at the you know the entirety of their pool of assets are much more heavily weighted to alternatives i mean famously yale only has three uh, percent of their a $30 billion endowment in public equities and, you know, outsize allocations to venture capital and to other private equity um, vehicles. And it's really that, that allocation to venture capital that is causing these uh, results to be, uh, you know, again, well below the, the 60-40. And when you look at, as I said, the, you know, the overall college endowment uh, market, according to Cambridge, was 6.9%. Uh, but when you look at some of the big names out there, you know, MIT was down 2.9%. Duke was down 1%. Harvard was up 2.9%. But you're hearing down small, up small, you know, nowhere near the 11.2%. Nobody was, uh, none of the big foundations were, sorry, big endowments were, were up anywhere close to the 60-40. Um, uh, the, the Even Yale, again, the, the long-term benchmark was up 1.8%. Um, so these numbers are not good. Um, and following a not good 2022, uh, remember. And so the, you know, you know, there's there's always talk about is the endowment model broken this this definitely gives uh you know a, a little more credence to that argument um and you know we didn't really start to talk about it but you know this could have a liquidity implication you know if if the m a and ipo markets stay where they are now yeah I'd uh, we, let's get back to that in a second. But but these endowments, so endowments typically for colleges and universities, my understanding is maybe they're used for capital improvements. Maybe they're used to underwrite scholarships for, for students. And they're used for other expenditures. Uh, what does this mean? Does this mean that there's less capital available to build that new science building? Or uh, I'm not going to say the new football field because that, even though probably that's probably paid for by other donors, uh, but what does ultimately this mean? This decrease in and and poorer performance for 
for endowments? Does this mean less spend uh, for 2024 and 2025 in terms of the student population? Yeah. Uh, so the, you know, a college like Yale, um, the endowment uh, supports about 30% of their total operating costs. So the, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, and big numbers. Um, and the, so the, there's that fact, which is if the endowment goes down and their, um, their you know, ongoing contributions to the operating costs of the college, you know, go down, then that obviously leaves a gap that the college is going to have to fund, whether or not it's in scholarships or um, anything like that. And then on top of that, you've got, you know, inflationary effects. So if you're running a college, you know, and you're heating your dorms and you're, you know, got your cafeteria, um, you know, running and, you know, all these other costs that we as consumers know about. So it could lead to, you know, um, you know, pressures on, uh, you know, on scholarships. Um, you know, there might not just be as much money as available as there had been in, in past years, or as you point out to the, the physical plant and, um, or faculty raises or, you know, all the other things that go into the operating costs of, of, uh, an education institution. Yeah. And, and John, just to circle back, you mentioned the, uh, the venture and the IPO M&A market. How does that have an impact on what we're talking about? So I know, I think you mentioned, uh, I think it was Yale had a significant allocation to venture. If there's no IPOs or less than normal IPOs, maybe that, that has a significant drag on the portfolio. It can. I mean, it can be. I mean, we saw this really in 2008, um, most uh, markedly, which was the, um, you know, it's it, as your, you know, your public equity markets, you know, came down and your private markets, basically the way that you get money out of private equity is you sell your private companies either into the open market in the IPO or you sell it on to some other financial buyer, whether or not that's a company or another private equity company. But M&A is down 40% this year. But anyway, those are the liquidity events. So if you are invested in private equity and you don't have these liquidity events, then you've got to turn to your liquid assets that you can sell, like you know, again, public equities, fixed income products, things like that, that you can sell in order to pay your, your 5% um, required you know, um, you know, you know, uh, in order to remain tax exempt, you need to pay out five percent, whether or not it's a college or a foundation. That's the uh, that's the deal. Um, and so, yeah, you could see, you know, that's pressure, you know, coming on, and then that pushes your asset allocation even worse because if you have you know big allocation to venture capital, for example, and it's illiquid. And then you have to sell your liquid stuff. Then you're you just push up the the overall percentage of that, and then it could be you know you can get into trouble if you're not uh, you know if you don't have enough liquidity. Yeah, well, it, it goes to show you. I mean, I think the American people on an individual level are having some challenges, and you know these large asset pools they have challenges as well, and they're trying. Everyone's trying to meet those challenges. John, very, very informative information. Great seeing you as always. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. It's always great to see you and talk to your uh, subscribers. 
And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Well, then drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, then you better visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. And don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.